0: What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry. And we're just a little bit closer to football season than we were in last week's show. In that time, Brett, there's been some news with Arizona football, with Arizona basketball even. We'll start with football. Probably the most exciting news is that the Arizona football program announced that they are 100% vaccinated against COVID-19. All the players, all the coaches, everyone around the program that's you know, a big part of the program with the players, whoever, they have all been vaccinated for COVID nineteen. So, as we know, that doesn't guarantee you will not, be, you know, test positive for COVID. But it also it really helps with all the protocols and everything that the Pac twelve is doing in terms of forfeits and everything. Like Arizona, one hundred percent vaccinated.
1: Yeah, I think Jed Fish uh, addressing the media when there was when he was saying they were at like ninety something percent. He said he viewed that as a competitive advantage, and I think he's <laughs> I think he's right. And bluntly, I think that's how he convinced maybe the. The, the more skeptical or the more hesitant on the team because, you know, there's a hundred and something guys on the, on the roster. I'm not sure you can find a lot of places uh, right now that, uh, of that, of that number of people that a hundred percent of people are vaccinated, but it's a really good thing for the university, for the team. And I, and I genuinely think Jed fish is right, that it's going to be a competitive advantage in terms of the protocols once the season starts.
0: Yeah. And what I like about it, especially is just what it shows for the buy-in for Jed fish too. And like you said, like you maybe said, hey, it's a competitive advantage. But like, yeah, of course it is. That doesn't mean like NFL players aren't all getting vaccinated, right? Like the head coach at Washington State, I guess he's going to now because there's now, I guess, a mandate from the governor saying if you're a school employee, you have to be vaccinated. Well, and just like, OK, I'll go do it now. You know, but it's hard to get 100 people to agree on anything, anywhere. And for anybody to convince this entire program, it's not mandatory. You could play for U of A and not be vaccinated. Yet they all went and did it. So whatever he did, whatever they did in terms of educating the players and convincing them that this is the right thing to do, I, I think it just it speaks really well of Jed Fish and the buy-in that they have with him. You know, that they are following him. And, you know, it happened now. It's August 19th as we're recording. You know, I think most of them could have been vaccinated a long time ago. But it just shows that they believe in him. They believe in what he's asking them to do, and they're going to do whatever it takes to win. And if he convinces them and says, hey, you do this, for this program, and it's going to make this program better. It's going to give us a better chance to win football games. And they did it. It means they believe in everything he's telling them.
1: Yeah. And it's one less thing that's not about football that the football team would have to address until they reached 100% vaccination. So only good things, you know, as you and I know, it's not a guarantee that people will not get cases, um, but it's certainly uh, better than the alternative.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, Other fun news that happened, a few of the walk-ons earned scholarships this week. Um, Rourke Freeberg, Jaden Young, and Traden Stukes. It was a really fun video. If you go to the Arizona football uh, Twitter account, they kind of show how it happened with Jed Fish. He kind of made it like a signing day video for the players. They got to go up there, sign their letters of intent, put on a U of A hat. So congratulations to those three. We're going to talk to Justin Spears a little bit later in the show, and he's going to kind of, He'll, we'll ask him about that too, because obviously that's a that's a fun thing. The off season has been a lot of fun. That's another way to kind of as we're rounding out the off season to see three guys who played really hard, earned their spots on the field, and they get rewarded with scholarships. The way Arizona went about doing it, I thought was really unique, really fun, and you just it's the type of thing you love to see.
1: Yeah, it was it was awesome, and honestly, one of my favorite aspects of it was watching Jaden Young and his glorious locks of hair try to contain a U of A hat (laughs) to put it on because it just didn't work in all of the best ways possible.
0: For sure. Uh, Other news, uh, Dave Heakey announced that Arizona athletics finished the 2020, 2021 uh, fiscal year with a $26 million budget deficit. Not surprising, you know, COVID and everything. They didn't have fans at any of their games for pretty much anything. And they replaced a couple of coaching staffs. Like it's the type of thing where it looks like it made it sound like it could have been a lot worse than it was. And it's just kinda I'm sure Arizona's not the only program around the country to have to deal with the fact that there was a loss of revenue over the last year. Yeah, I
1: mean, honestly, the <laughs> the loss was less than I expected. And I and I think that, that they Hiki mentioned it's due to a lot of donations. Jed Fish was personally able to get still get some of these things done in terms of improvements and renovations to the football facility. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and there's there's a bridge loan that they're gonna take out and try to pay off as quickly as possible. Uh, and I think they also t- t- the season ticket renewal rate is probably higher than any of us would have expected uh, after the game that shall be vacated. Um, <laughs> you know, we would have expected and I'm sure that's helping the financial situation right now as Fish has kind of won the off season. Um, you know, and in a lot of ways that's showing up on the financial side, uh, like realistically, their loss was not what it could or maybe even should have been mm-hmm. all things considered. So. Can can not as bad news as expected still be considered good news, Adam?
0: <laughs> it, well, not bad news is not bad news. I guess it. If it's not bad, doesn't make it good, but it's fine. You know,
1: it's it's not completely terrible.
0: Yeah, like which would be completely terrible is worse than just partially terrible. So yeah, I think I think that works.
1: Yeah, I, there was there was some uh, not great news though this week, Adam. We should probably address with our old our old friend T Mac from Servite High School.
0: Ah, <sighs> yes the the third domino that should have been there for the Juice County. He decided to commit to Oregon um, over Arizona and I guess USC.
1: <sighs> yeah, don't not, blame him. Not, it's it's a bummer no, though, not, and, and not what you want to see, but you know. Arizona's been on the other side of this a lot of times where uh Oregon has, has stolen away Arizona commits right before signing day. Nothing counts until the, the you know the the signatures on the sheet. Um which is I believe not until December. So there's there's still time for uh for the, the Cerebite, uh, you know, Fafita and and Keon Burnett to and Jed Fish and staff to try try to keep working him and I think the one of the best ways to do that would be to show up uh, against BYU early in the season and show that there is some progress there and mm-hmm. convince him that yeah that you can come to Arizona and it can give you that springboard to the NFL like his like his aspirations are
0: for sure you got to show a player like that that he can come to your school develop and win because he's of course be able to do that at Oregon <laughs> you know? like using yeah. Oregon like there's no shame if Arizona lost a recruiting bout to Oregon there's no shame in that but at the same time you could argue that Arizona being in the running speaks volumes for where they're at too. You know, whether it's the Fafita effect or Chad Fish or some combination of all of that. Arizona. There's people who thought legitimately that he would choose Arizona over Oregon and USC. Like that says something.
1: I believe it's the Fafita effect, not the Fafita effect. It's 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 condensed into one word. Out. No, it
0: was okay, Fafita yeah. Effect. My bad. I yeah, I didn't know that. I learned no, something tonight. And
1: we're and we're recording on August nineteenth. Uh, I believe tomorrow, Friday, August twentieth, Sterling Lane, a four star. Defensive uh, defensive end kind of edge player is announcing his commitment. Uh, all signs point to Arizona fans wanting to probably watch that commitment ceremony, um, which is, you know, just further, you know, it, a, another four-star into a Jed Fish's class, even if Mac is not coming to join what we already have.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, other news, that was some bad news, and you started to bring in some potentially good news. Uh, more good news additions. Arizona added officially Majon Wright. He's back. Uh, Carson Cota, a tight end. Muhammad Diallo, a uh, defensive lineman, just joined the program. Everybody's like, wait, what's this guy doing here? Um, I don't think Majon Wright's going to be eligible to play. It doesn't sound like this season, but of course, he's a guy when he, he transferred, or he's going to transfer, then he came back, then he decided to transfer again, and then he came back. Like He was the guy of all the players that the portal, I guess outside of Grant Canell. They're like, I'd like for this guy to stick around because Arizona was not good last season, but Majon Wright. Looked like the type of player who could develop into something special as a wide receiver.
1: Yeah, he's somebody that you see, you saw the flashes of potential stardom there, right? Like there's just some guys have that extra level of athleticism or, you know, aggression on the field and, and he the seems size to have, and the, yeah, the skill yeah, set too. He, he has some of that, he had some of those things come out in flashes as, as a, even as a freshman. Um, you know the wide receivers. Will, it'll be. I'm curious to see how they get used in Jed Fish's system and how many deep they'll go. Uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about that in the depth chart later today. Um, but there's a lot of options there. So even if he's ineligible, I'm not super concerned about him not playing. But I'm very excited to have him back for the long run.
0: Yeah, and getting Diallo, 6'4", 305 defensive tackle, played at Central Michigan the last couple of seasons. Just another big body along a defensive line that's gotten pretty banged up recently, but in that case, when it comes to the lines in the trenches, there's power in numbers. <laughs> like You just need guys you can rotate in there, shoveling, there's going to be injuries, there's going to be guys who get tired, you need bodies, and this was this was a big body to plug in the middle of that defensive line where he's arriving a little bit late in the process, but you kind of feel like at that size and with his level of experience in college football, he's able to get up to speed pretty quickly and be a useful rotation player for them this season.
1: Yeah, I mean... Get your drinks ready, kids. I was about to say depth like four times. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you're right. You cannot have enough depth, especially on, along the lines, especially maybe on the interior defensive line, because that's what really is it allows the defense to stand up uh, against an uh, opponent's running game. And if you can't stop the run, you're not going to be able to stop the pass when, you, when, the, when you're selling out and bringing eight guys in the box, and then you get burned on play action. So it's going to – having – Having people that can come in and if not start right away, I think he's certainly going to get reps fairly early on in the process um, especially experience and that kind of size even in week one against BYU, just having somebody that can go up against a lot of grown men linemen on on BYU's offensive line I think I think he's going to play even if he just joined the roster and play three weeks later.
0: yeah there's a coda a tight end three star but six five about 240 just a prospect at a position where all indications are Arizona is going to use the tight end. That's why they keep recruiting tight ends, keep adding tight ends because they're going to use them. So whether you get excited about Coda joining the program or not, I think his addition just is another step in that direction. Like, yeah, this is a position that Arizona is going to utilize. And that's why they keep adding players there.
1: Well, and I think his brother was a fairly highly regarded receiver. um, And Coda was given some like, preferred walk on spots at, at, I think at like Oregon, um, you know, he's somebody that, especially for somebody that's not expected to necessarily have to contribute now, aside from the indication of where the tight ends are going as a position. Once again, there's, there's depth being formed there and you can't, you can't coach that kind of size. And if he has the athleticism to go along with it, he'll be an intriguing player to watch as he develops.
0: All right, one other quick note here before we take a break and get to our Justin Spears interview. Switching sports, Jason Terry officially leaves Arizona as the basketball coaching staff to go coach the Denver Nuggets G League team. There were rumors that Terry was not long for the staff for a little while. It was just a matter of where he was going to go. I mean, good luck to Jason Terry. Like, no hard feelings at all. He gave Arizona a year on the bench, and he's always going to be one of the all-time great Wildcats. And if he can go on and become a head coach somewhere like in the NBA – that would be good for the program too to keep producing more head coaches right i mean
1: yeah and jets always going to be rep in arizona uh so i think we we wish him well it opens up another spot on the staff for tommy lloyd to maybe bring in uh you know one of his guys or another kind of young up and comer um i'm i'm going to guess that they go with somebody that's a recruiting focused uh type assistant um that's kind of the name of the game especially in in in, in a powerhouse program like arizona um, but we'll see what they fill that with. Uh, but I'm sure Jason Terry's going to have good success in the G League.
0: Yeah, for sure. So uh, I think that's I think we got through all the biggest news. That there's always more recruiting. We missed a couple of recruits. There was a tight end Arizona got Powell from the Phoenix area that caused a, quite the hullabaloo on Twitter. <laughs>
1: what a nonsensical hullabaloo also. <laughs> but also I got
0: to use the word hullabaloo. So you're welcome. Wildcat Radio 2.0 Radio 2.0 listeners.
1: One, one could say there was skullduggery afoot on the Twitter uh, machine.
0: There was quite the kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let, let's take a break. and we come back, we're going to be joined by Justin Spears from the Daily Star, the Wildcaster, ESPN Two. So We're going to talk about everything Arizona football because we are all really excited for Arizona football. So talk to Justin Spears after the break.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
0: All right, we're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we are glad to be joined by Justin Spears. Of I don't even know what to say Justin Spears is from. He has so many titles, things that he does. But, Justin, welcome back to Wildcat Radio
2: 2.0. Thank you guys for having me. Glad to be back.
0: Yeah, yeah, we know you're back in town. You've been on some vacationing a little bit, celebrating with one of our other good friends, Saul Bookman. He's getting married in the coming weeks, months. I'm not sure when his wedding is. My invitation hasn't arrived yet. But we're here to talk mostly about Arizona football. And, yeah. you know, fall practice, it's going on, and there's still no announcement on the quarterback, and that's supposed to be coming in the very near future. But just, we had Matt Moreno from GoAzyCats.com on last week, and we kind of asked him his impression of the Jed Fish fall camp, you know, his first fall camp. From what you've seen, from what you've learned of what's going on, what's your take on the new coach and how he's running things?
2: Uh, the guys just genuinely love him, and they and they love to play for him. I think probably the most noteworthy soundbite to come out of Arizona training camp is tight end Bryce Wilma saying that for the first time in a long time, I'm excited to play football again. Uh, and, and hearing that, you, like, yeah, I see Brett's face. You know, you kind of sit back and widen your eyes like, whoa, that's it, – it's it's almost kind of like an indictment on uh, the the previous coaching staff. Yeah, And I think it, you saw that – these guys didn't want to play for the previous coaching staff, and you saw that in the Territorial Cup game. In a rivalry game like this, you're not supposed to get beaten sixty-three points. They it's, weren't sixty-three points worse than, points. than
0: ASU, yeah.
2: No, no. They said I mean it they were a bad team last year, but even with all the walk-ons that they had playing on the defensive side of the ball specifically, you don't lose sixty-three by sixty-three points. And you also don't give up two touchdowns in less than a minute. Like in 53 seconds, it was 14 nothing air ASU, and you could just see the guys, the body language on the sideline and on the field. They just didn't want to be there. They all wanted to climb under a rock and just avoid, you know, the national embarrassment. That Same. was the Territorial Cup. And so, you know, you could see the body language, and even when Kevin Sumlin was let go, you never saw anybody really come to his rescue. You never saw anybody, you know, so you know, come out publicly and say, "Well, you know, he's such a great coach. This is such a terrible mistake by the University of Arizona." Nobody defended Kevin Sumlin, and I, I don't want to make this into like, "Oh, look how bad Kevin Sumlin was." But when you compare it to everything that Jed Fish has done over the last seven months, eight months, or however long he's been hired, I mean, Jed Fish has done more in just a short time than Kevin Sumlin did in three years, and he's doing all the things correctly. He's opened up his doors uh, for football alumni and former players to come on back. On my radio show, on ESPN Radio, we actually had uh, a number of guys uh, come on the show. Uh, Ricky Elmore, who played defensive end under uh, Mike Stoops, he said that he's had more phone conversations with Jed Fish over the last few months than he's had with Rich Rodriguez and Kevin Sumlin combined. Ortiz Jenkins, one of the most celebrated Wildcats ever, he's the leap by the Lake guy. Mm -hmm. He said that when he went to the spring game, he's never seen that many alumni, football alumni, in one place in over 20 years. Or in, in in the 20 years, or however long he's been removed from the program, he's never seen that many players in one setting. And so, I mean, there's just such a, a different just change of pace with Jetfish and how he's operating. He's around the clock 24-7. And when you're being a head coach of a football program like the University of Arizona, you can't just come in nonchalantly, say, hey, look at my past, look at my resume, and expect people to flock to you. You have to sell the product to these kids. Kids are not going to come to Tucson, Arizona. If you're not putting in the time and effort and showing them that this is the place that they need to be. Jedfish raised four to six million dollars so he can renovate the weight room, renovate all the coaching offices, and also install a barber shop, which all the players seem to love and they're always getting haircuts. Like these are these are things that kids want. And when you have that, it, it makes it a lot easier to sell the program. And that's why you're seeing Arizona get these four star athletes and they're riding a 12 game losing streak. It's just—it's mind-boggling to think the uh, the job that Jet Fish has done, but he's done a pretty solid one.
1: The J- Justin, Adam, and I have talked a lot in the last couple months about like the importance of building a culture and talking about that buy-in that you're talking about that you're seeing from guys and it, it both the community and the players on the roster. Like that Bryce Wilma quote is very revealing to me. I'm curious to know your sense of does that buy-in and culture tell us that the team is better than? You know, maybe that the talent on the roster is not as bad as 0 and 12 is, and how much of a difference does that buying and culture mean? I'm not suggesting that we're going to win the Rose Bowl this year. Sure. But, you know, how much of that do you think is going to translate onto the
2: field this year? Well, a lot of the players seem to think that they got a much better team than people are saying. You know, they they're what Vegas has them at two and a half wins for this year. That's the 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 line that everybody's throwing out there. I mean. San Diego State, NAU, and then one Pac-12 win, and, and they already have the over right there. The the receiving core, I mean, I really think once Jamari Joyner gets healthy, I mean, he, he's capable of being an all-Pac-12 wide receiver. Stanley Berryhill, the, the vision that Jetfish has for him is a lot of motions, a lot of different things that, he wasn't doing when Kevin Sumlin and Noel Mazzone was running the offense. So I think Stanley Berryhill is going to have a great year, and then the, all the running backs. I mean, they are so loaded at running back that I think they're going to be talented, and then they're going to return all those guys, and then add a couple more stars. So Arizona's running back room is going to be pretty solid uh, for the next few years. But you know, I I don't, I don't know. You know, as much as I want to say that you know they're going to you know, come out and win five to six games and everything's going to be all good. You know, this is still a team that is riding a 12 game losing streak. Um, but man, if, if Jetfish ends up going bowl eligible in his first year, I think you should build that man a statue. <laughs> you, you really should. And um, I, I think they're going to be a lot better uh, than what they have shown. And even if they go three and nine, four and eight, I guarantee you, a lot of those losses are going to be by seven points, ten points. They're not going to get housed by sixty-three points to their arch rival. You know, I, I I have a really strong feeling that you're not going to that you're that you're not going to see this Arizona team just simply roll over. You know, every now and then, you know, when they you know play teams like Oregon or heck, maybe even if if USC gets hot and they have a really good team, you know, I could see them you know struggling, but. I mean, this is a team that's going to be competitive and, and they're going to be bring a lot of energy. You know, one thing that I always give Mike Stoops a lot of credit was even though, you know, they had losing seasons and they didn't go to a bowl game until 2008, there was always that one game where even mm-hmm. if they went four and eight, there was always that one game where they would beat a top ten team at home. And just the electricity, of the atmosphere at Arizona Stadium, they need that. And I was talking with Stanley Berryhill's dad the other day. And he said that everything right now is kind of like a perfect storm. The guys are buying into the program. The coaching staff is getting better recruits. And now with we're going to have fans in the stands, people are going to be excited to get out again and attend football games. And when you give them a product that they're going to be proud of and they want to be a part of it, then you're going to be able to, to pack Arizona Stadium. So everything's pretty good right now for Arizona football. So,
1: so Justin, you're giving, you're building up my optimism going into this season, but my Arizona fandom means I need to rein us back in. Because the thing that concerns me the most, and I'd love to get your perspective, and Adam kind of touched on it, we're several weeks into camp now and we still don't have a starting quarterback. Is that, yeah. is that, a, is that cause for panic and is that going to be the limiting factor on the ceiling for this team?
2: Yeah, that's going to be the biggest crutch. But, you know... Who knows what's what's going to happen you know with the quarterback race? I remember in two thousand and nine there was a quarterback race between uh the returning backup and Matt Scott and then a guy by the name of Nick foles and a lot of people say, well, Gunnar Cruz doesn 't have any college experience like you look at his stats at Washington State, like what did you take like three snaps at Wazoo? He has zero experience. Nick Foles had zero experience coming out of what he went to Michigan state and then ASU and then ended up at Arizona. I'm not going to sit there and say Gunnar Cruz is the next Nick Foles. Like I don't want people to think that, but, but there's just, a, there's a little bit of optimism that people can look forward to. And, you know, comparing this situation to the last coach and their first, their first season <coughs> expectations were just so much higher. And I think Arizona fans have kind of, come to grips with the fact that this is a team that's going to be in rebuilding mode for the next couple of years with Kevin Sumlin. It was, Oh, he's coming from Texas A&M, this high profile coach who's really good at recruiting. Oh, he also coached Johnny Menzel who won the Heisman Arizona has got this electric quarterback and Khalil Tate. This seems like the perfect marriage. Everything's going to be great. And Arizona football is back. And then they come out and they get waxed by BYU. And then everyone kind of understands, okay, maybe this is a little bit different but we still have a lot of hope. I think with the the quarterback rates now, the team riding a 12 game losing streak, I don't know. You guys you guys are Arizona advocates, maybe you guys can understand okay. Let's let's pump the brakes here a little bit. Let's not get our our hopes really high.
0: Well, and that's where this whole off season, it's like the best off season in Arizona football history, right? Like you yeah. don't win games in the off season, but you win the hearts and minds of the fans, like they've won fans back. There is that excitement for Arizona football. Even you can go into the season and think they're going to win four games if it's a great season and still be excited for those four wins. You know, that's, oh, I yeah. think, the mindset people have for this team because Fish has done everything right. You talked about the buy-in, too, that he has kind of elicited from this team. We saw the news today that they had the 100% COVID vaccination within the program. And I feel that's like awesome. when you're trying to look and say, okay, what has Fish done that shows the belief in him and what he's doing too. Like we've seen him with the recruiting head yeah, with the Bryce Wilma quote. Everyone's saying great things. I know when he canceled practice the other day, it was the Jetfish fish for president type of stuff. Like, yeah, he's doing everything right, but the players really do seem to be on board. And maybe they didn't have that with Kevin Selman, you know, maybe he came in and they were a bowl team the year before with Rich Rodriguez. Maybe someone didn't have that buy-in, but this team seems to really be, you know, hundred percent on the jetfish fish train. And it's, it's just such a better feeling, right? You're down there. You're around the team. You're around the program. Talk to coaches. You talk to the players, families, and everything. Like, it just feels so much better. And feelings doesn't equal wins, but it equals something that makes you think, okay, things are moving in the right direction.
2: Yeah, well, when Kevin Sumlin first got here, he was the, you know, cool guy, you know. But that personality can only go so far because if you still have that approach – with, uh, I'm very even-keeled, I don't get too high, I don't get too low. People thought it was a nice change of pace because the previous two head coaches were complete hotheads. Mike Stoops, like you could literally see the the steam coming out of his ears (laughs) on the sideline. He was just so pissed off. Rich Rodriguez was the same way. Kevin Sumlin was a completely different change of pace, so a lot of people embraced it. They thought, okay, we have a a different-minded coach. And then the losing happened, and it just kept happening and it kept happening and it kept happening. And then it turned into, oh, we have this cool coach Into, we have this coach that doesn't care. With, with Jet Fish, you don't get that sense. You get a sense that he cares about Arizona football. And quite frankly, this is Jet Fish's dream job. I don't know if the University of Arizona was always in the mix for him of becoming a head coach somewhere, but he's never been a head coach before. He's always wanted to take a program – make it his, and you know what? If he goes to, uh, you know, things go great and he ends up going to another program or even goes to the NFL, cool. Then, then so be it. But he built up Arizona football, and he's working around the clock to make sure that this program is going to be as successful as it can be. And you, you didn't get that uh, with, with the previous coach. So, you know, the players, you know, they're buying in. They're, they're loving everything about Jetfish. Fish. Jetfish seems to genuinely care about Tucson. The Arizona football program isn't isolated. You know, they're not just over there in the Lowell Stevens football facility or the Dick Tony practice fields just doing their own thing. They want people to see the program. And that's why I applaud Jetfish for opening up the practice uh, to public and having the fan fest. You know, not as many people are attending FanFest as I thought it would, but that's because school's back. Right. they have bouncy houses and 40 yard dash and you can go get your your face painted. He wants to make it like an NFL training camp experience. And I just think it's incredible to to think that we can actually attend a football practice and be there the entire time. Where before, yeah, practice might be open for the first 20 minutes and then you guys got to go. Oh, great. We see guys stretching and warming up like that. That's the only thing that we got to see. Jetfish. I can see what he's trying to do. Sure. Arizona football is not going to win a a ton of games this year, but we want to be a part of this community. We want to be a part of Tucson and we want anybody who's willing to give us a time of day. We want you to come out and check us out. And will that translate to wins? Shoot. I don't know. But I guarantee you there's going to be a lot more people going to Arizona football games than you than you've seen over the last few years, and and that's what that that's what Jetfish is trying to do. He's trying to get the entire city of Tucson, the this entire fan base, to rally around him, and he's done a miraculous job at doing that.
0: Now we're joined by Justin Spears here on Wildcat Radio 2.0. Justin, of course, writer, podcaster, Tucson Star does the Wildcaster podcast. Is on ESPN Tucson has a show there. We're happy to have you. Um, one thing you mentioned too is like Jed Fish, the type of coach he is, the person He said, you know, Mike Stoops and Rich Rodriguez were hotheads. Kevin Sutton was kind of cool and uncaring. And of course, we all know if you're a hothead, but you win, then you're passionate. You know, and then when you're losing, then you're you two. have too, You're too angry. And if you're cool as a cucumber, when you win, it's like, yep, yeah, he keeps him even keel. What a great coach. When you lose, you don't care enough. It's just It comes yep. down to winning and losing. But I wonder, is there any indication of what type of sideline demeanor Jed Fish will have? Like, we haven't seen him be the head coach. We haven't seen him be the head coach for Arizona. Did, does he lean more towards the Stoopsian and the Rich Rod, more towards the Kevin? Something like, can you tell from practice maybe what kind of style he is going to be when it comes to in-game coaching?
2: Well, he's very tough on his quarterbacks. You could just see the way he talks to them. It's not yelling like Don Brown, like the defensive coordinator Don Brown. You could hear that man from miles away. My friend's going to make six some years. media
0: members cry. It seems like just so some of the yelling oh,
2: yeah. he's done. Oh, oh <laughs> man, I, I tell you what. After uh, practice last weekend, I won't be able to tell you exactly uh, <laughs> what what he told the defense, but all you hear was like. F this, F that, mother bleep F F that. It was just Don Brown was just a cussing machine. and But he was just getting into his defense, and all those guys just were, had this, this stunned, shocked look on their face. And he just, blah, 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 just kept going, going, going. Figure it out! <laughs> all right, get a break. And they just walked away. <laughs> Jet Fish is not like Don Brown. And I, I've even seen Brendan Carroll who, you know, Pete Carroll's son, he's the offensive coordinator, kind of has a similar personality to Pete, where he's just, you know, this happy-go-lucky guy who's all about his players. But I've even seen him, you know, rip into his offensive line, uh, linemen. So I think what Jetfish does is he has a lot of trust in his coordinators, in his assistant coaches, to where for instruction, for getting on his players, he's going to allow those guys to do it. With the quarterback, that, that's his group. It, it, with, along with Jimmy Doherty. So he's going to really focus on those guys. But I don't know. I've, I've never seen Jed Fish in a losing situation. I've never seen him after a loss. You know, we're we're going to see that this upcoming season. But as of now, you know, he's a very passionate guy. He loves football. He genuinely loves his players. And there's just a, a, a certain level of respect that they have for each other. You know, I just did a, a story for the Arizona Daily Star talking about Stanley Berryhill and the journey that he's been on. You know, a, a walk on became a scholarship player, led Arizona in receiving this past season. Kevin Sumlin, his staff gets fired. He thinks, OK, I'm going to enter the transfer portal. I'm going to go to Ball State so I can go to this smaller school and just shred apart, you know, Mac defenses. Uh, and then, you know, Jed Fish. As soon as he was hired, one of the first people that he contacted was Stanley Berryhill and all the guys who were entering the transfer portal. Um, they FaceTimed for, I think he said, you know two to three hours, and then they went into Jed Fish's office, and the plan that he had in place was, hey, give me three months, and if you like it, great, you get to stay here. If not, I will personally help you find another school that you could play at. You know, Jed Fish doesn't have to do that. Think about NFL uh, Pro Day, you know, with with Roy Lopez and Lorenzo Burns and these guys, you know, getting ready for the next chapter of their life. None of those guys play for Jet Fish. But who was at NFL Pro Day supporting those guys? It it was Jet Fish. Um, So, I mean, that right there says a lot about his character and the kind of guy that he is. If you're an Arizona Wildcat, it doesn't matter what era he's going to love you because you are a part of the fraternity.
1: So Justin, you 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 brought up one of my favorite topics thinking about this upcoming season in in Don Brown. And I'd love to hear your perspective on what you're expecting out of the Don Brown defense this year. Arizona's defense hasn't been good in a long time. We kind of have a sense of what, you know, it's going to be with throwing a lot of blitzes, but what's what's your realistic expectation for what this defense is going to do under Don Brown's tutelage?
2: Well, I think the defense has shown Great progress, and, and I don't know if that's because the offensive line has just been terrible, uh, or of course you know the quarterback play as well. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's because the defense is playing great or if the offense is you know s- still trying to pick things up. But one thing you will see is effort, energy, and you're going to see a bunch of uh, I should say white helmets because they don't they're not going uh, and wearing blue or red helmets this year. But you're going to see a lot of white helmets flock to the ball. And if you don't, then he's going to pull you. You, know, you have to show that energy, that passion. You have to be 110% all the time. And it, it's funny because hearing guys like Jalen Harris and Anthony Pandy, when the way they talk about Don Brown, it's almost like they needed a coach like that. They needed a coach to give them a good kick in the ass and, and get them in shape. You know, the, the Arizona football, it has been a while since they would they had consistently practice for three hours. And now it's like a common theme for all for every single practice. And, and Jalen Harris, w- it will be the first one to tell you, I don't think I've ever practiced this hard in my life. And a big part of that is the energy that Don Brown brings. And he, he is just full of sound bites. Uh, you know, I'll never forget. One of the practices when somebody asked him, are you going to be on the booth or in the booth or are you going to be on the sideline? And he said, if I were in the booth. I would scale the booth down to the ground because I just can't do it. I, I tried it one time. I lasted maybe a quarter. And think about just like you do a mode. good Don
0: Brown, by the way. That's not bad.
1: I was going to <laughs> say that was a pretty good Don Brown or a really bad Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I tried to do like my my East Coast Boston, Maine accent uh, that he has. But, you know, this is a guy uh, who's coordinated some of the top defenses in, in college football. When he was at Michigan, they they had number one ranked defenses. Heck, he had one of the top defenses in college football at Boston College. Like if you can, you know, put together these kind of defenses, I think with Arizona's athletes, the defense is going to be much, much better than you've seen in years past. It's just so unfortunate that, you know, they don't really have depth at cornerback. You know, they're so you're they're trying to you know, still figure out, you know, who are going to be the two guys behind Christian Roland Wallace and Isaiah Rutherford, I think trade on who was just put on scholarship yesterday is uh, going to be one of those guys. And you also have Mackenzie Barnes and Malik Hosman. Uh, but you know, these, the cornerback position could be better for Arizona because if they get injuries at that position, it's going to be trouble. And I'm also curious to see, you know, how the linebackers play out. I think Anthony Pandy. Um, it is that guy that's going to fly around and, and make plays for Arizona. But what are the other guys going to do? Jerry Roberts, the Bowling Green transfer, has been getting a lot of reps in at the one. Uh, Treshawn Hayward, who is the 2019 MAC Defensive Player of the Year. I'm curious to see what he does. He's impressed in practice, uh, but I want to see him in a game situation at Arizona. But the biggest concern right now for Arizona's defense is the health on the defensive line especially on the interior, all these defensive tackles are getting hurt. And then J.B. Brown mispracticed uh, this past weekend because he was welcoming uh, his, his newborn child into the world. Uh, but you know when they get him back, he's going to be a force. There's a, there's a lot of, of wild cards on this defense, but I think Arizona football fans are going to be pretty pleased with the D. Yeah,
1: you, you, you kind of mentioned one thing I wanted to ask you about too, Justin. We're, we're recording on August 19th. And you mentioned one of the guys, there was three guys on defense that got awarded scholarships uh yeah. at former walk ons, and you talked about, you know, guys are gonna be running as the ball or they're not gonna be playing. They have to earn their playing time. And you see that I think it was Rourke Freeberg, Stukes, and uh also Jaden Young, who yeah. it sounds like he's a front runner to start at the safety spot, uh, as a relatively yeah. young walk on. Can you talk a little bit about a little bit about those guys and how, how you think they're gonna fit into
2: the defense? Certainly, Traydon Stooks is going to be a guy that gets on the field, whether it's in nickel packages or if he's just rotated in. But he's also going to be a contributor on special teams. Rourke Freeberg uh, was one of my favorite storylines from a year ago. Nobody thought that he would ever get on the field. And then sure enough, first game against USC, I'm like, is that Rourke Freeberg? He was good. And And he he looked good. And (laughs) he was solid. (laughs) He was probably their best defensive player that game when you you think about it uh it could have been christian roland wallace if uh if he He timed that half a step later yeah yeah but you know Rourke freeberg when you think about guys who were walk-ons that were going to become full-ride scholarship players he was one of the names at the top of the list and then jada young was kind of nowhere to be seen a year ago was is a walk-on from centennial Um, you know, got a little bit of playing time, but then during spring ball really emerged as one of Arizona's top defensive backs. And Chuck Cecil has a soft spot in his heart for Jaden Young. He does. He he's a a grinder, a tough kid who was a walk-on like Chuck Cecil. A lot of people forget Chuck Cecil was a walk on when he first came to Arizona and was then put on scholarship. I, I got a sense of the relationship that Chuck Cecil and Jaden Young have when somebody asked Chuck Cecil, and of course, it was the one spring practice I didn't go to, but somebody asked Chuck Cecil, Jaden Young, great story. Walk on. What do you like about him? And Chuck Cecil actually got emotional talking about him. And, you know, Chuck Cecil, very, very tough guy. And when you see him become vulnerable and show, you know, a soft spot for a guy who he reveres and admires, you know, I, seeing Jaden young getting put on scholarship. It, it doesn't surprise me one bit. And those three guys are going to be impact players for Arizona. And do you guys know the common denominator between those three guys? No, no. All of them are from Arizona Tra- trade on Stukes played at Goodyear millennium. Um, Rourke Freeberg played at, I think, either Red Mountain or Desert Mountain, whatever school Kurt Warner coaches at. And then Jaden Young played at uh, Centennial. So these are all in-state walk-ons who gave Arizona a chance when Jet Fish wasn't there. They stood out and they bought into whatever the coaching staff has in place and and they become stars.
0: But I I heard somewhere, Justin, that like Arizona three-star recruits are no way to go if you're trying to build a winning program. So I can only imagine guys who are walk-ons from Arizona. You can't win with guys like that, right? I mean, I saw no. that on Twitter somewhere. Like apparently you can't do that with Arizona guys. But like I I, have one final question for you. It's kind of more of a fun one. The way that those players were announced to get their scholarships and that's, you always love those videos, right? When a player who's a walk-on gets awarded with a scholarship, like every time he sits like, this is, It's just fun to see. These kids deserve it. They've worked so hard to get to that point. The way this one happened with the table and the hats and everything kind of like a letter yeah. intent thing, that's a really unique way to do this. And there's a lot of unique things that Jed Fish has done over the last eight months or so since he's been hired. And I'm curious what you think is like the most enjoyable or what stands out to you that he's done that's not... That's not normal. Like not it's not to be on the football field. Just things that he's done, like there was the Gronk, you know, catch from the helicopter, or the super soakers at the spring game, doing this for the walk ons. Anything that kind of jumps out, he says, like, okay, like this is unique, this is special, and this is maybe why Jetfish is going to be successful in Tucson.
2: Well, the attention to details is is everything, um, and like you know, something like that where these players they didn't get national signing day because they were walk ons, so it was like. They probably had a, a little Twitter graphic or they had a, uh, something on their iPhone notes saying, you know, I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. blessed to say I'm committed to the University of Arizona with like 12 different emojis, um, but, but they didn't get that, that national letter of intent moment. For Jed Fish in a team meeting, you know, these guys weren't expecting something like this. And to have all their brothers and, you know, guys from the Arizona football fraternity all gathered in a room and then call them down, have them all sit at a table and sign a national letter of intent. Like those are those are great moments. And, you know, what? that's something that those guys are never, ever going to forget. But the details is something that I've been so impressed with. And again, I don't want to make this into. You know, look Look at a bad job. Look at how bad of job Kevin Sumlin did.
0: Well, it's not to but, say bad, but it's different, right? This is but, different. But it's
2: different. Yeah, certainly. You know, the. so the press conference room at the football facility, when you get off the elevator and you turn the corner, there's a wall of student-athlete scholars of the month. Well, the student-athlete scholars of the month, they were from the 2017 season, and they hadn't been updated for two years. So you're seeing like guys who are no longer a part of the program, their faces are still on the wall for being the, the best student on the football team in the month of October, 2017. And they hadn't been updated. Like those kind of details are, are important. And by, by the details that Jetfish that that he's shown that he gets it goes down to getting Rob Gronkowski and Teddy Bruski to come back for the spring game, which, oh, by the way, is the first time that Rob Gronkowski has been uh, back to Tucson in a decade. You're telling me the greatest player, the greatest NFL player in program history, you hadn't gotten him to come back to campus in how long? I get it. He's in season. He's playing in the NFL. It's really hard to coordinate getting Rob Gronkowski to come out. But what about a spring game? What about summer well, I mean, there would have any any time in the spring after the football season's over with. Like, there was just there was just so many opportunities that they could have had a guy like Rob Gronkowski. And it's not like Rob Gronkowski left Arizona and was like, "Nah, I'm done with the U of A." You know, I, I went to college there. That's it. Gronk loves U of A. He reps the, the U of A any chance uh, that he gets. So of course, you know, getting the opportunity to come back, he was going to take it. And you have Teddy Bruschi, and they're coaching against each other in the spring game. This is a program that, that was riding a 12-game losing streak, and they probably had the most hyped spring game in program history. I've asked so many colleagues here in town who have been around Arizona football for decades, and I'm like, have you, had, have you ever been like this amped up for a spring game? And they said no. Going back to the details, in that spring game, Jed Fish wore a windbreaker jacket. And when I saw him come out, I was like, why the hell is this guy wearing a windbreaker jacket? It's 120 degrees out in the field <laughs> and he's wearing a jacket. Well, the windbreaker jacket was uh, supposed to represent the the windbreaker jacket that Dick Tomey famously wore. And when you look at the Dick Tomey practice fields, the mural that they have out on the fields, you see the the, the jacket that Dick Tomey is wearing. And Teddy Bruschi, I asked him about it at the spring game. Hey, what would you think about Jed fish's jacket and you know representing dick tomey and jet fit or teddy Bruski was like it's like he knows what to do like he was just so you know kind of like in love with Jed fish there it was like he just he just knows how to do all the right things he just knows what to do but but that right there showed me how much he cares about everything and so you know the details man the details matter at a program like arizona and Jed fish man He honestly gets it, but right now we're in this honeymoon phase because he's doing all the right things. He's pushing all the right buttons, but will that translate to wins? Because I know Arizona football fans, that's what they're – they're really hoping for. Right. That's that's win. the thing that's not win is mind. what
0: we're hoping for. Like just don't just wait. Win. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, wins would be great.
0: But let's win. Just let's just stop win. the losing streak. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: I, I think I think what you're talking about, Justin, there with the attention to detail and all of that focus, we all I think we all talked about it. I probably texted you back in the day when we were looking for, you know, we talked about it on the pod. We all are, are Arizona fans, but we know that Arizona is not a self sustaining program where a person can't just walk in here and expect to be given something. They got to earn it. Yeah. They got to be a grinder. And, you know, I think as an Arizona fan, I think we're all hoping and we're seeing so far that Jed Fish was wait, that hungry guy waiting for that opportunity and willing to be that grinder. And hopefully it keeps carrying on through into the season and we get wins, plural, at him.
0: Uh, yeah, that'd be great.
2: <laughs> Listen. Two and a half wins is where, is where Vegas is, is thinking that they're going to be at. So if Vegas thinks they're going to get a couple wins, then I think it's safe to say that they're going to have wins, plural.
0: I will also maintain the losing streak Vegas doesn't get to 12 games if it's a normal season last year. They would have had none of those non-conference wins against, I forget if they had NAU on the schedule last year or not. I think they did, right? Like, I know they had Hawaii. Yeah. Like They would have won a game last season in a normal you know, in a non-COVID shortened I mean, season. Utah, they would have like beat someone. Yeah. I
2: mean. They should yeah. have They should have beaten Southern California last year, <laughs> USC. <laughs> and I think that's what gives a lot of people optimism about maybe they can string together five to six wins. You know, they went toe-to-toe with a team that won the Pac-12 South, and they did it with Rourke Freeberg starting at linebacker and being their best defensive player. So, who knows? Maybe this this Arizona team's got something up their sleeve that we just uh, don't know about.
0: And that's the fun thing going into this season. New coaching staff that doesn't really have much of a history. A roster that's been pretty well overhauled, especially at quarterback, on the defensive side, and on the skill positions, they have plenty of talent there. So, will they win a lot of games? Will they win any games? We'll see. But at least it seems like it's going to be fun. And it also seems like the beginning of something, right? This isn't just like spinning their yeah. wheels, you know, just kind of. Doing that just the same thing over and over again. It's different, it's new, it's fresh, and it feels like this is the start of something good. Like, what does it get to? We have no idea. But it seems like this is the beginning of them going in the right direction, and maybe three years from now, four years from now, we're gonna look back and be like, you know what? That was that was a good time because it got us to this
2: point now. Exactly. So, I mean, I think the the plan that they have in place with recruiting because not only are they getting these four star prospects, but they're getting players from schools who pump out prospects. You know, they're getting players from Scottsdale Saguaro, uh, Chandler, uh, Chandler Hamilton. Uh, they, they got a, what, Zeke Berry, the, uh, he's a four star corner from uh, De La Salle in Concord, California. De La Salle is one of the top programs in California and probably the West Coast. So they're getting all the right players and then when those recruiting classes start to overlap and stack on top of each other i think that's when you're going to start arizona getting back into the the eight to nine win range
0: all right that's justin spears with a healthy dose of optimism for all of us like i feel really good about things right now especially after this conversation you can follow him on twitter at justin esports of course find his content uh tucson star uh, at tucson stars he works for them the wildcaster Uh, ESPN, do sign like Justin. You can do a better job of explaining where people can find your stuff than I can, I'm sure. Before we (laughs) let you sign off here on Wildcat Radio 2.0, just tell everybody, tell our listeners where they can find your stuff and what they should be looking forward to.
2: Uh, So I just put out a feature story on Stanley Berryhill, just talking about his journey, everything that he's gone through. You know, After his freshman year at the U of A, when he redshirted and didn't get any playing time, he was contemplating quitting and going to play baseball at Pima. And you, you Think about like how different Stanley Berryhill's life would be right now if he were to make that decision. So, uh, you know, the Stanley Berryhill story is is great. Um, I just wrote that uh, that feature story that you could find on Tucson.com and the Wildcaster app. I, we, I understand uh, people are are cheap sometimes. They don't like to to pay for stuff. I'm I'm a cheapskate I myself. I feel
0: attacked. So uh,
2: hey. no no. <laughs> So we, at the Arizona Daily Star, we have this handy-dandy app where you can get all the sports content for free. For the Wildcaster podcast, we have stories, videos there, um, everything, you name it. It's uh, right there on that Wildcaster app. And then weekdays from 3 to 6, I host the radio show on ESPN Radio, uh, 1490 AM and 104.9 FM, called Spears and Ali. And we have a good time. We talk all things Arizona sports and yeah, it's just a fun time. We have fun times just like we're having a good time right here on Wildcat Radio
0: 2.0. Awesome. That Look forward to reading that story on Stanley Bearhill too. You do a great job. Justin, thanks for joining us here on Wildcat Radio 2.0. We hope to chat with you again down the road.
2: I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me.
0: Alright, thank you, Justin Spears. And we come back. The Arizona Depth Chart conversation will continue. Welcome back. One more segment left here. Thanks again to Justin Spears for that great conversation. I know I know I'm excited for Arizona football, Brett. I'm even more excited after talking to Justin, You know, but I think we're all kind of in the same boat feeling like we don't know if they're going to win a lot of games, but it's just good vibes around this program right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, everybody has good vibes until they get uh, an opponent that's maybe knocks them down a peg or two, and we've had the best <laughs> offseason ever, especially for a team that's lost 12 straight games. But hope springs eternal with a new staff. And this is what you're supposed to be feeling leading up to the season. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, we touched on it with Justin. One of the things I'm most curious about with this team is how much talent really is on this roster versus how much of it was coaches, you know, getting the most out of them um, or just, you know, gaps in position groups. And we've had that experience in Arizona and that kind of, you know, leads us into, you know, we've started to go into the, the depth chart a little bit. And last week, I believe we talked about the quarterbacks, the running backs and the tight ends, um, you know, the quarterbacks we've kind of exhausted that conversation. Hopefully we have a starter soon. And that's yeah, probably there's our still no announcement effect. there. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm on the record from six months ago. I think that uh, the, my, my biggest concerns for this Arizona team, both their floor and ceiling started with the quarterback room and number two in my concern list was the offensive line which I think is maybe an interesting position group to talk about because it's basically the same group as last year, but also basically the same group as the year before. (laughs) And two years ago, the offensive line was surprisingly decent. And last year we all expected this offensive line with all those guys returning in general to take a step forward. And instead the opposite happened. And that Mm. offensive line was a, a very serious weakness. And, you know, with a new coach, in um, Brennan Carroll taking over with Kyle Devan, I'm I'm curious to see because there's it seems to me there's talent there with you know Josh McCauley, Donovan Lay, uh, Jordan Morgan, Josh Donovan, Edgar Barol is back after being suspended last year. Um, you know you have you've lost a couple guys like Robert Condell, but there's a lot of talent there. Peyton Fears is back, which. Peyton fears being back. You know, we'll see. He struggled at times well, last year, but
0: he did. Well, the whole line struggled at times last season. Yeah. What, I, what I like about this is, like you said, how they ex- they have experience though. And so much for offensive lines is just experience. And like they're they're bigger now, right? These are older offensive linemen. They're Grant's a new system, but they have they have those reps with each other too, which can only help them. And that's the exciting thing for them. And also, but it's a different offensive system. Yeah, I think I saw one of the quotes from one of the videos. I forget which offensive lineman it was, but just love the idea of like the style of offense they're running, the style of blocking they're being asked to do is different than what it was before. and that's Maybe it's a better fit for them. You know? But this is where it all comes back to that coaching, because to your point, like, yeah, it's essentially the same group that was bad last season. But with the right coaching and the right scheme, maybe they can unlock more quality play out of this group. And if not, to your point too, Brett, there's more depth at this position too. You know, like our friend Davis Duvall. Like, I think he's with the he's with the team now, too. So, like, there's, there's depth at this position where are these guys, can you count on any of them? Like, I mean, Josh McCauley is as solid as it gets. You know, Diamond Lay is solid. Jordan Morgan has so much potential. And Barola wasn't bad when he last played. So there is some ability on that line. Just the hope is that with the right coaching and scheme, they're going to be more like they were a couple of years ago, two years ago, than they were last season. And that's where just, again, if you have faith in the coaching staff, you'll think that's going to happen.
1: Well, and you've got some young guys that we haven't mentioned. Josh Baker, uh, I think is going to be a redshirt freshman or whatever we're calling the, the freshman people that went through a COVID year. Yeah. Um, a COVID freshman, if you will. Um, he's a good, he's a guy who could be the heir apparent potentially to, uh, McCauley at center, but can plop can slide over to guard easily. Probably just the first guy plop
0: at first. Cause I liked that for an offensive line. You could just plop over to,
1: I mean, it, it fits. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, another guy, uh, uh, you know, most, most freshmen are usually not going to be physically, mentally, uh, ready to play or developmentally ready to play. Uh, but JT hand, I think is a guy that might contribute this year, especially if there's ever a, a time when the depth gets challenged with guys getting knocked, you know, nicked up on, on some injuries. Um, Davis Duvall, you mentioned, I'm very, I'm very curious to see how 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 he looks on the field. I think the question for him is whether he will be uh, ready to play and eligible to play with various transfer rules. I don't know if we have clarity on that situation yet, Um, but he's a guy I have a lot of, uh, I'm I'm very intrigued in his potential in the long run. Mm -hmm. To me, it's, I I think it's going to be a question of the scheme and the coaching with what they're going to be able to get out of this. And, you know, it does Edgar Barola coming back, make that much of a difference. He was a fairly capable tackle. Um, at right tackle in the past, you know, does that mean you can move Peyton fears inside where maybe he doesn't get beat by speed rushers as much? I don't know. Um, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I, th- I think they can be decent and with that experience and hopefully they can all, you know, uh, Josh McCauley is, you know, feels like he's the Van Wilder of the offensive line. He's been there for forever. <laughs> um, you know, it, having a a leader at the center position that's making those calls should make a difference, Mm -hmm. especially with people that have been there for a few years, even, even Josh Baker, who maybe didn't play last year, but has been, you know, has been a part of the system, even if it's a new coaching staff, it's, it's one of the bigger wild cards that I'm most intrigued to see.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't call it a weakness necessarily, but it is, I think, like you said, a wild card and, you know, we'll have to see too because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. And obviously a quarterback maybe holds the ball a little bit too long, could make an offensive line look worse. You know, if there's running backs, and we talked about the running backs before, like we really like this group, but if they make the wrong read, if there's a hole and they don't find it, then the offensive line looks worse. So it's not always going to be on the offensive line, but with the amount of experience that they have, you have to believe that with just proper coaching and a good game plan for them, they should be competent, right? Like it's not a weakness. It shouldn't be a weakness anyway. I'm not going to say it should be a strength either, but it should not be a weakness. One place that should be a strength though, Brett, on the opposite side of the ball is wide receiver room. And like we talked about how the running back room last week is one of maybe the most stacked you know, room on the team. And wide receiver, though, they got experience. They got potential. I, I really like this group. Stanley Berryhill's had a great camp by all accounts. Uh, Matt Moreno last week said Tavian Cunningham has been showing things that we haven't seen. We all know what Jamari Joyner can do when he's healthy. Booby Curry came back, and he seemed to have been having a pretty good camp, too. Majon Wright, we mentioned he's back with the program. We don't know if he's going to be eligible, but he also may not need him to be eligible because there is so much depth at that position.
1: Yeah, the only thing in my eyes that the receiving room is missing is a clear star, right? You have a lot of guys that maybe have potential and have some skills. You have Tavia and Cunningham who's, um, you Cunningham. Know, he's a, not a big guy, but he's a he's a track kind of athlete supposedly has improved his route running. Maybe he can be, emerge as, as something of a star. Jamari Joyner at his peak looks like he could be, but we don't know if he's going to be healthy. Right. Boobie Curry was, you know, a high three, low four-star guy, but hasn't necessarily looked like a star so far at Arizona. Um, Jalen we'll Johnson looks like he
0: has ability.
1: Yeah, Jalen Johnson actually I think might might be one of the guys with the highest ceiling. Um, you know, he was he he missed last season I think also due to uh, suspension reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got size and speed that, you know, can be very intriguing. And we haven't even mentioned, I don't think Brian Castile, who's maybe the most accomplished of the receivers. Um, I, so I, I don't know if the, they, I say this without a star, I don't know if they're a group that anybody will game plan around, but they have enough people and enough depth drink again with the, the depth comment, um, that I think the position group will, at least be competent and be a threat when they're on the field, there won't be guys that you can ignore. Right. Yeah. And if you have that, that's, you know, ideally you'd have, you know, hopefully Tavian Cunningham could take a leap and be like a, a guy that could take the top off the defense. Stanley Barry Hill, you know, is is a guy who's always been a solid, if not spectacular player, it, you know, hopefully one or two guys emerges as like really go-to threats. I'm not, convinced this they're on this roster this year i'm hopeful uh but i think it's a high floor position group if that makes sense
0: it does make sense and i do think there is star potential obviously we we both think majon wright has star potential but we don't even know if he's going to be eligible this season Jeremiah Joyner, when he's healthy has star potential and you know it was almost like barry hill was good last season other than that no one really stepped up and was like okay you can rely on them and how much of that was just the offense was so bad last year you know especially when grant Canell didn't play you know will plummer like the guy, he wasn't ready to be a guy who could make the most out of the receivers, and that's I think gonna be the biggest question mark with this group this year. Is it's not gonna be them, just we don't know who the quarterback's gonna be, what type of offense they're going to run. Maybe they're gonna use the tight end more. And that'll kind of depress the receiver numbers, too, because you have so many guys here who can be top options, I think. Stanley Berryhill runs great routes. He's sure-handed, and he's been a star in training camp. It would not be surprising if he is one of their leading receivers again. You, know, you mentioned Castile is one of the most accomplished guys there. Like, there's so many options, but will these quarterbacks be able to take advantage of them? And then how much will Bryce Woma maybe take away from them too or some of the running backs catching the ball at the backfield? Just we don't know what this offense is going to look like in terms of these receivers and they don't have that dominant number one, clear number one guy you say they gotta get him the ball, you know, six to seven times a game. They don't have that player on this roster. It does have the makeup though of a group that just someone's gonna get open, get them the ball. You know, if the offensive line, the group we just talked about, can keep the quarterback upright and give them time to find whichever receivers are getting open that works and we don't know who it's going to be, but I think there should be confidence in this group that it's a talented group. Is it the best, you know, the PAC 12? No, but it is going to be plenty good enough to get open and catch the ball when it makes it to them.
1: Yeah. they're. I think there's enough talent there and enough experience that they're not going to be a reason you lose a game. I'm not sure they're going to be a reason you win the game, but they can at least be enough, that you can win with them, if that makes yeah. sense. Well,
0: there are going to be some now, guys who have a game where they look like that player, where they, you know, eight catches for 120 yards and a touchdown or two. Like that's going to happen. Like they have guys yeah. who can do that.
1: I mean, I'd love if this this receiver room had a oh I don't know a, a, a player that looks has the skill set of a of a McMillan <laughs> um, <laughs> from Servite High School, but that that will not be in the cards this year, no matter what. Even with even if Arizona is able to flip him, but. I, I, I think it's – I don't think they're at the level of the running back room in terms of sheer talent level, but I don't think they're that far behind But I, in terms of star power. Um, but I think they're there with depth.
0: I, I would agree with drink. that and drink, yeah. Right. Well, and it, compared to the running back room, the receiver room has a lot of experience, and that could go a long way too with Barry Hill and Cunningham and Castile and even Joyner, you know, and Curry. Yeah. You know, Curry's a junior. I guess he's technically a sophomore because the COVID year doesn't count, but there's experience, and it's also important to remember – like most of these guys entered the transfer portal and came back and they came back for a reason. Like they've bought in with this coaching staff, this offensive system, what they have in mind for them that they think they can fit into it. Now just because like they should be confident in themselves, but I, I feel like you have to feel good about what they're doing for all those reasons, because they have proven at times these guys can all catch the ball. They can all get open, they can all make plays and they're in an offense that they want to be a part of that. They came back to be a part of for coaching staff to you know, Kevin Cummings to coach them and all that. So i feel good about this group i do um you said that you know receiver not going to win any games but they also know that they're going to lose games probably the last position we're going to get to today we're going to talk about some special teams here and we mostly just focus on the kickers in this one and kickers never lose your games either but sometimes games come down to your kicking game especially your place kicker your field goal kicker and it can get a little tenuous arizona has some decent options there you've kind of feel like Lucas Haversick's going to be the kicker again. He's a senior. He had a pretty good year last season. I know Tyler Loop is in the conversation there as well, but if it's not Haversick with his huge leg and experience, then I feel like something went wrong. Let's start there.
1: Yeah, Haversick I think is you can basically pencil in uh, certainly handling kickoffs, which is an underrated uh, or underappreciated uh, skill to have of that big leg that you referred to. Uh, I don't think Tyler Loop's going to supplant him. I think Haversick is at worst. Uh, you know, an average to above average kicker with a, a a guy that has potential to be a well above average like NFL type prospect. Just if he can kind of hone in on the accuracy to match that leg, that's an NFL kicker. Yeah. Right. Um, and I actually really like Tyler Loop uh, as his as as his clear backup. Uh, I think Tyler Loop, though, was kind of a revelation uh, last year. As, as as a puncher, mm-hmm. uh, ahead of guys that were even offered a, you know, most most uh, kicking specialists are generally kind of given preferred walk-on deals and have to earn their, their scholarship with scholarship limits. Uh, Kyle Ostendorp was given a scholarship outright and has not really been able to win the job outright.
0: Um, I did see, Kylo- though, that there's talk that he would be the guy right now if, if the season started, that Ostendorp was leading in punting. Really? That's Yeah, Dudzinski. He was in an interview. He said, like, right now he thinks Ostendorp is probably the guy who's leading the punting.
1: Which I'm that. I want. I, I'm going to. You know how I can tell I'm hurting for some actual games, Adam? I want to overanalyze the hell out of that <laughs> statement and tell me if that means that Tyler Loop might be doing maybe some potential field goal kicking and they're trying to also, you know, maybe they have him do the short kicks and, and Haversick the long kicks like happened a few years ago with uh, Josh Pollock and Haversick, I think.
0: Um, but it's options, but right? Like, Osten, you kind of want Ostendorp to be the guy. Like, he was the scholarship guy. Like, you want those guys to come in and be as good as they should be, right? And last year you said Loop was a revelation, and he was. He was solid. Like, like oh, they're, like Arizona's a punter, and that hasn't happened. Like, that hasn't been the case for a little while. So he felt good about that. But similar to, like, the Josh Pollock and Haversick year, they kind of alternate depending on what kind of field goals they need. It's not bad to have multiple options who can punt either. You know, someone's having a bad day, or they're just not getting the job done to have someone you can turn to. And if Osendorp's the starter, if he gets the nod and he struggles, then you know you have Tyler Loop waiting in the wings. So if Haversick struggles, maybe you have Tyler Loop. Like, Arizona's kicking game is not in a bad place at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I'm inherently cautious of ever saying... Or having any confidence in college kickers? No, you should they, have zero
0: confidence in them. Never let it come down to a college kicker. Never let that perfect. happen.
1: Which is which is making me reluctant to say that I
0: feel good about the the position group. I, in on, context, the, on paper, in context, yeah, you feel as good paper, as you reasonably could about a kicking game in college football,
1: right? I, yeah, I think I think that's a fair framing. Uh, <laughs> unless you literally had a surefire NFLer on there, um, you know, it's it's not a. Uh, it's not my, it's not a position I'm, if Arizona's going to lose a lot of games, it's not going to be due to their kicking.
0: No. Uh, no, and Seth McKellar, the long snapper, he was put on scholarship too over the over the off season. You've probably never heard of him, and that shows how good he is.
1: <laughs> exactly. He, he, <laughs> he should be, the less he's noticed, the better he's doing his job.
0: Yeah, so, uh, but I think that wraps up the offensive side of the ball. We have the entire defense to get to next week's show but otherwise offense uh, some serious question marks some big time pluses how it all comes together we'll find out a lot more on september 4th but otherwise i think that's going to about do it for our show so do we miss anything better you think that's it
1: no i think that's it i was going to mention i did check to see if we had any more um ratings and reviews written on i on on the iTunes podcast uh catcher and unfortunately, we do not have one to oh, read.
0: Oh, everybody! Like when you're, we know you're subscribing wherever you find your podcast, but make sure you go on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review because we will read that review on the show, good or bad. We will read it. You can have some fun, of course. We appreciate good reviews, but we accept criticism too when it's warranted because we're not perfect. It's fine, you know. <laughs> it's a,
1: you know, feedback. Feedback is a gift.
0: You can't please everyone, too. Like, so you have to understand that. <laughs> but we do appreciate, appreciate y'all listening. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at WildcatRadioAZ is the handle. Uh, but again, we're going to talk about the defensive side of the depth chart next week as we start to gear up for that September 4th opener against BYU. But until then, remember to bear down.
1: Bear down.